I want to say welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. It is our aim as believers to make this a reality. It is the goal of Christ in us to get us to the place where we fully acknowledge that He deserves all of the glory. You know, we, when we say these things, we, we, we put into it a, a level of meaning, a level of conviction. But what if, what if in your heart of hearts you think, well, you know what, I do a lot of sacrifices for God. I hope He's happy. You know, He, he should be happy. I mean, look at the things that I do. How conscious we are of the part that we play and how conscious we are of the part that He plays will determine how much credit how much praise, how much glory we give to Him, and how much we feel we deserve back. And this is the temperature of our worship. It's determined by how you feel in your heart of hearts about who is really worthy. And so there's this work going on in our lives. There's this work going on in the church today as God is preparing a people who worship Him in spirit and truth, who's who are so, so, so convinced that He alone, He alone, He alone deserves the glory. The big difference between heaven and earth, the big difference between heaven and earth is that when Satan, Lucifer, began to take credit for things that God deserved the credit for, he was removed from heaven. And now we're praying, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're essentially saying, God, remove the need to have the credit. Remove from us the need to be self-centered and to receive praise and to receive commendation and to receive uh, the glory so that the same worship that exists from the beings and the angels and the hosts of heaven is here on earth. That may seem like an impossible task, but that's where we're going to. That's where we're coming to. So as we worship this morning, I say, let God do this deeper work in us. Let God, Holy Spirit, come this morning and show us. God, fill us with such an awareness of how much you deserve the honor and the credit and the glory that everything we have, every breath we take, we take because of the grace of God. Every, uh, every moment we can go on, one more minute, it's because of your grace. So we say, Lord, to you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be all the praise. Lord, to you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be the glory, to you be the honor forever and ever. It's our desire as believers to manifest the rule of God in our lives. And ultimately, the whole world will know God because of what becomes evident in our lives. And the reality is, God rules in measures over our lives. And the manifestation of that rule shifts and is differentiated from person to person based on 
our yieldedness to the kingdom of heaven. And it's faith, your faith, my faith, that releases the rule of God in our lives. So when a person believes and healing is manifested in their life, that is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, let it be to you according to your faith. So we're saying, God, let the rule of God, let your actual kingdom, let the, the measure of your authority, your glory, your, your leading over us increase in its magnitude in our community, in our lives, so that when people look at us, they'll know these are the people of the way. These are the people of the kingdom. It's kind of like when you come from a Ukrainian culture and, and you go out in public and you're wearing something that's distinctly Ukrainian. People will look at you and say, oh, that's Ukrainian. And the kingdom of God is not so mundane as to be a particular style of dress, though it can be reflected in, in humility and modesty of dress. But there is a distinction coming to the earth of what comes from above and what does not come from above. And it's going to be exemplified through a people who have yielded to the, to the measure, to a greater measure of the rule of God in our life. And that's why it says in Romans, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we're saying, Holy Spirit, teach us today. Oh, God, we want to be that expression of the, of the kingdom of God in the earth. Lord, we want to be in every conceivable way ruled by the mind of God. Even as Paul said, let this mind be in you. It wasn't automatic. He said, let it be in you, this mind that was in Christ Jesus. Disciples of Christ, let this mind be in you. Oh, God, we're saying... Lead us. Pull us in. Pull us in deeper. Pull us in deeper, God. Pull us in deeper, God. Pull us in deeper. We want to say to you today, Lord, we know there's more. We know there's more. We know there's more. We want to say, God, we want it. We want it. We want it with everything inside of us. Even if we don't know how to get it, Lord, we were just saying that we want more of you. God, we're like the woman with the issue of blood. We just need to touch the hem of your garment today. Oh. Uh, we're like blind Bartimaeus and we're saying, oh, Jesus, son of David. Show us, show us, show us your mercy. You know, there's, there's a scripture and it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. There's a reason why Jesus said the Father seeks such as worship him in spirit and truth. It's because the measure of the manifestation of God's glory in the earth hinges upon the quality and power and faith of our worship. That's why through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to principalities and powers.
And even though it says the whole earth is full of his glory, the whole earth, the glory that's in the earth is not manifest. It becomes manifest as a people arise to acknowledge that glory. And we acknowledge it in measures, in measures, in measures. Even this morning, we are, we are plodding along in a, coming to a place of increasing acknowledgement and focus on him. And if everybody were to be honest, you would look at the, the condition of your mind this morning and you think, how much attention did you give to pursuing the Lord throughout the morning? And hopefully it's been increasing as we're moving along. And that's a reality. It's like that scene in the movie, social media. They're in a, in a hearing and, and the uh, lawyer says to the guy, he says, do we have your full attention? He said, No. You have part of my attention. And, uh, and, and that's the reality. So the, heaven is looking at us today and saying, how much of your attention do we have? How much do you even have the power to focus it in one direction? And how much of that power is being exercised in this moment? And the quality of our worship and the quality of the presence of God in the meeting is not dictated by some formula that's determined in heaven. It's dictated by the capacity of our worship and our resignation to Him right now. And so the glory of the Lord is going to increase in meetings like this over the next few years exponentially as a people grow in their capacity to acknowledge Him and to give Him all of our attention. And it's more than a discipline. So we say, Holy Spirit, thank You that we are Your workmanship. We are the ones that You are working on, that the pace of the progress of the kingdom of God is not based on the calculation of numbers of how many get saved, but what are the intrinsic changes to our being as you manifest your workmanship, your craftsmanship by changing us? So, Lord, we say, change me. Because as I go, my community goes. Amen? As we change, as we are being shifted and transformed, Spruce Grove is shifted and transformed. Ah, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So we're going we're gonna to transition in just a moment, but let me tell you, let me share one more prophetic picture with you. Years ago, and I, I'm going to keep referring to this, and if you're online and you're watching this, welcome to, to our broadcast today. But listen, years ago, there was this reoccurring vision that a prophet had and he had seen stadiums all over North America filled with people worshiping and glorifying God in a, a concentration of the presence of God, an unimaginable level of concentration of the presence of God. And every once in a while, you know, there would be somebody yell out, oh, we have another one. We have another resurrection. And there's a, somebody resurrected from the dead and somebody comes out of a wheelchair and somebody else. And it's it's, it's not, you know, it's just sort of happening randomly throughout the day as worship, continuous worship is going on. And, 
and uh, people are making declarations, and there's this 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 atmosphere being generated. And and this week I've been uh, thinking about this process that God has us in as we are going from glory to glory. Do you know your whole journey from the time you were born again? You were going, Paul says, from glory to glory. You're being changed. And so, how much glory is there to be had? I can safely say more. More. Whatever you've experienced, there is more. And so, we never stop in this. But I had this picture, and I keep having this picture of these stadiums. But instead of a stadium, I, I see a nest and a chicken and laying on these, these eggs. And the chicken, you know, the, hen, the mother hen is sort of incubating these eggs. And she is providing an atmosphere of energy and warmth that is allowing this incubation to bring something forward, to bring something out. And all of a sudden, you know, the eggs don't all hatch at once. They hatch sporadically, you know, according to their internal process and, you know, things that perhaps if you knew all the factors, you could quantify it mathematically. I don't know. But but, but all of a sudden, you know, one, one beak starts to punch through and, and that chicken, you know, that chick comes forth from the one stage of transformation to the next stage of transformation. And I'm seeing this, that what churches are meant to be are these atmospheres, incubation atmospheres. In fact, uh, our friend Eddie Mon in, in Hong Kong has a church called the Incubator. And, and it is because the, the, the idea is that, that there's the presence of God in our midst being furnished by our worship is causing an atmosphere of the presence of God to, to increase around your life that is increasing the process of your transformation. But what's happening is, is we're coming in from one mindset into another mindset, that all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I, I don't have to be caught up in shame. I don't have to feel guilty for the past, that, that God's mercy has made a way, and I can, I can look boldly into my failures and not feel any shame or any discomfort, or any, any sense of failure, or alienation, or separation from God. Wow! Because His mercy is greater than my failures. That's transformation. That's like, remember, you, I used to get all bent out of shape. I couldn't even think about my human failures without feeling condemnation. Now I can, yeah, well, that's the old man, and, I, and that's not really who God has made me to be. I am accepted in the Beloved. And there's this capacity that God is bringing to us. And so I want to encourage you as we come in these mornings. And uh, I believe the day is coming when we won't be able to just meet once, twice a week. I mean, like in our culture, it's like pulling teeth to get people to come to church more than twice a month. But you know what you need? You know what we need is an incubator. What we need is to, to be surrounded in that presence because something transformative is happening to us as we languish in the presence of God and worship. The reason why God said He's seeking worshipers is because all over the earth, these incubators are being created where the, where the, the sons of God are being manifested as there's a fullness of transformation that comes into our lives. And so we're just saying, God, we come together to say we know there's more and we want to give you the glory and the honor. But this beautiful atmosphere is starting to be generated that's changing us. What a glorious promise. What an amazing mystery 
that God has made known to us. Amen? I mean, previous generations have longed to understand some of the things that I've just articulated and haven't understood them. There's a fullness of the knowledge of God that's coming. And next year and the year after, we're going to even understand it more clearly. So, thank you, Jesus. Let's welcome Kim Wheeler. Merry Christmas! For how many people? This is your favorite time of year. It is for me. It's my favorite time of year. I can never, I have a hard time being, being uh, down this time of year. Mind you, I don't get down very often anyway. But praise God, even better. It's always nice to be back. Like we're, we're come and go, and we come and go, and even when sometimes when we're here, we're not actually here because we're in Canada ministering. But this year has been a doozy. I'll tell you, it's been amazing. So I have a, I have a, a very cool word that I believe the Lord gave me. And, and oh, man, I don't know. Uh, it's not what I was planning to do and to share. But it was just through a, a time of ministry and prayer in the last, this last week that the Lord gave, downloaded this to me. But I'll tell you, in the service this morning, we, my wife and I have a privilege of being able to travel and being away. And so sometimes being away from a place and coming back, you will be more sensitive to changes. How many understand that? Like climate. We've been away and in plus 30 or more degree weather for the last two months or more than two months. So you come back and everyone's going, wow, it's pretty warm right now this time of year. And we're looking at him like, are you nuts? <laughs> you know, no, it's not. Not for us anyway, because it's like a 30 degree difference for us. And so it's like you come back from th- plus 30 to zero. You see the difference. Well, let me tell you, I, ca- I came in here uh, or I should just. Over the last two months, we've been following you guys. We've been spying. We've been we follow. We actually do follow you on. On, uh, you know, Facebook, we follow you on the, the what do you call that, the live, live streaming. And b- we've been noticing something. When I say we, my wife and I. And we've noticed something's happening. There's something changing. I've noticed, a, now this is what the cool part is, is how many, how many are on the WhatsApp thing where you get all the people sending in their little things and whatever. I don't generally, I just read them and pray. I don't really post many things at all. And, uh, but I have noticed a change in people's wording, a change in people's faith. I've noticed something, a dramatic rise in what's happening, but especially the atmosphere of what we could see. Now, now it's one thing to see it on online and to hear it it's a whole nother thing there is a definite change and shift that has gone on here and you guys may not have noticed quite how much it is because you've kind of been gradual it's like boiling a frog you know gradual gradual and he doesn't even know he's dying right you know well this is the exact opposite you're getting put into the glory of god and into a, a, a a new a new season of what god is doing a new awakening, and it's coming and coming and coming, but he's still bringing more. It's like what God was saying, from glo- what, 
what uh, Mark was saying, from glory to glory. Yeah, not God. Almost, almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you look like his son anyway. You look like his son, yeah, except in the morning. I've seen you in the morning. No. <laughs> Pray for his wife, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, I just had to get that out because I'm excited. Like this morning, there was a, a, oh, just such a wonderful presence of, the, of God. And I asked my wife, I said, Lynn, what, what do you feel? What do you sense? She says, a closeness to God. A closeness to the presence of God. So there's something really happening here. How many agree? Amen. So if that's taking place, let's get ready for more. Amen? Yeah, you can give him a hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm excited. And this isn't just here. This is happening all over the place. I, this is happening all. I, I, had a, I talked to a pastor in Thunder Bay yesterday. And he's a good friend of ours, and we're ministering there in April. So I had to talk to him about the specific dates and different things. And, and then he said, hey, Kim, you know, there's something happening. Um, you ha-, and he said, actually, he said, you shared a word with us a couple years ago about the mountain of God. And I actually had that revelation here about five, six years ago. And he says, you know, when you shared that, ever since that we've been focusing on that, because it's like, it's like we've been experiencing different levels. But he says, have you noticed that all of a sudden there's a, like a calling to something way higher? And I go, yeah, in fact, I have. And then he goes and he says, and you know what's neat is he says, we're starting to see some things that we've never seen before as a church. And they're not, they're not the type of church. They're, they're, not, they're very different than you guys. And they're, 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 they're very outgoing and charismatic in a way, but, but there's a much more conservatism with them. And they're not really geared to prophetic in that church. We're getting there. They're getting there. But uh, the cool thing that he said, he says, but yet all of a sudden, it's like the church has come alive to the things of the Spirit. And he says, we're, all of a sudden, we're seeing things that we haven't seen before. And he says, do you remember, he says, on the one level, he said, he says, you, you said that when you climb another level, all of a sudden you could see the plans of the enemy that you couldn't see before. And all of a sudden it's clear. And it's like, why didn't we see that before? That's what's happening. And I thought that was so cool because it's not just here, it's elsewhere. Right? But yet some places are already higher than the other places. But I believe this is a general awakening to the whole body of Christ within Canada. And it's a, a general rising above. Now, some are, are, are lower and some are higher. But everyone is going to other, other levels. Every one of us has different positions and places, and God's raising more. And we have to know, what is our place? What is the place of this church? What is the place of us as individuals in that pecking order, so to speak? Amen? So, praise God. I'm excited. Mark's laughing at me. Oh, you did? I wasn't here. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Some people don't like that term. <laughs> but it's the truth. Anyway, praise God. I want to share real quick just a couple minutes about a recap of us, Feviva. Um, the, we had an amazing year, a very, very challenging year. I'm going to encapsulate it in about three minutes. And then we need your prayer. We need you because you guys support us. You're our home church. So, so we need you to know what's going on. How many agree? 
So last year, you know, our January, February, March are always full with teams, and that was very similar last year, and it was very good. Saw a lot of good things. There was a lot of travel, a lot of ministry, uh, doing what we do. Um, whether some of you may not know who we are, but we have a Bible school, we have an education center, college, we do feeding programs, we have a youth ministry, we have uh, um, do a lot of crusade evangelism, do a lot of work and ministry within the entire community for programs, assistance, medical, dental teams that come. We have another dental team coming this year here in, in beginning of February. So we're very diverse in that area. Uh, pardon? Oh, in Guatemala. Sorry. <laughs> what? I can't hear you. No. <laughs> my wife says, welcome to my world. No, she says. <laughs> Gord, you understand, don't you, buddy? Yeah, okay, thanks. Anyway, so it was really good. But then, and, and we had a huge project underway. The, this whole big um, five acres of land. And we've been processing, preparing for this for five, six years. And we're ready to start. And so we were able to put up this beautiful $150,000 commercial playground for the community. And it was just, it's been an absolute beautiful, wonderful thing. A real blessing for the community. The next phase was putting together the soccer field, a professional soccer field with synthetic turf, lights for nighttime, everything. I mean, this is like something that the entire region um, where we are has, ha doesn't have that. There's only one or two in all of Guatemala like this. So, so it will be an absolute transformation for the entire region. It really will. And we're preparing for it. So there's a lot of uh, preparation of leveling for the land, retaining walls, and, I mean, water drainage. I mean, you name it. It was a huge project. And then the next step is to, to order the turf, get it going and everything. And then all of a sudden, our plans changed. A volcano happens to erupt. And it dramatically shifted us 180 degrees because all of a sudden that wasn't a priority anymore. And so I don't want to go uh, talk too much about this, but, but there was uh, 3,500 people that were killed in a matter of two, three minutes. There were 13,000 homes destroyed. And so it took us five months and raising uh, over $100,000 to help these, some of these families. And we focused on one group of, a, of 112 people and um, 35 families in particular. So the praise report is that they are now all in temporary homes and they're getting permanent homes being built. So praise God. Amen. And, and they're all being cared for. So it was just a wonderful success story. It was one of the hardest things we've naturally, like emotionally, I think I've ever gone through. And we've gone through so many disasters. We've gone through everything you can imagine. This was the worst. Because you're, de you're dealing with families that have lost their children, their wives, their husbands, and their sharing of the horrors. And you're trying to say, it'll be okay. That doesn't cut it, right? So, so it's just, what do we do, God, you know? And that's where it says you cry with those who cry. You weep with those who weep. And, and you laugh with those who laugh. So, but praise God, we've gotten over that. And we're seeing these families being restored. So that's awesome. It's wonderful. So thank you for your donations, for your prayers towards that. It has made a huge difference. But it also put us way back in our, in our soccer field. So we, that's what we're focusing on 
now. We also have another, the education center, a big a college, and so we still need about 10 scholarships for, for students. We have about another, we just got a donation of 10,000 US dollars for 10 scholarships. Praise God. Isn't God good? And we still need 10 more to fulfill our commitment to the community of, of 25 scholarships to these students that, that are, can't afford it. So those are some things that we're working on and focusing for this year. And, um, and we are looking at actually helping another set of families for, this, for the volcano victims. We were just up made aware, and please pray for this, made aware of another 13 to 15 families that were forgotten, that were, like their lives were destroyed, and they lived in a little remote area, and that's why they were forgotten. So we're going, actually our son-in-law is going there in the next day or two to investigate and see what we can do to help them, so... So we'll keep you in touch with that. Amen. Well, I even have a, a title to this, Mark. Isn't that amazing? I don't usually put titles to a message, you know. A Tale of Two Births, this, A Story of Hope. It's a Christmas story. Chris, it's a Christmas story. This is my favorite time of year, opening up presents, right? Hopefully getting the right one, you know, right? But no, it's just... Because this is, this is a time of year, it's, there's no greater story, no greater revelation in the Bible or in all of history than what, is about, than what took place. How many can agree with that? Absolutely no greater. Everything, our, our whole history, our life, our future, our eternity is all tied up into that one little birth of who we are. Our identity of who we are is tied up. In the birth of Jesus Christ. Our identity, it says, it says, is in Christ Jesus. We're hidden in Christ. And so this, this was everything. This was like God's big scene. And he's, and he's finally saying, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, to reveal my full plan. And all the prophets of the Old Testament, they didn't understand it. They, they, he's been hinting at this for like 4,000 years now. God's been telling his prophets about this this Messiah coming, and he's going to redeem not just Israel, but the whole world. And they couldn't understand it. They prophesied it, they spoke it, but they didn't understand it until it happened. Amen? And it's, but it's, it says it's revealed to us, the children of God. Amen? So that's what Christmas is. That's what this story is about. So anyway, it's a story of two births. How many can guess which births? John and Jesus. And they were all tied together, right? And so I want to read in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to just start reading a little bit first, okay? But it was, the beginning there, it was a story of Zechariah, a priest, and the fulfillment of a prayer. And it says in, in Luke 1 verse 5, it starts, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God. This is important. It's so important to read and to hear the words that's being spoken here. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, in other words, he had shift work. 
let me explain something real, real quick. What they did back in that day is they had shift work. So the priests would actually do shift work. Twelve, uh, uh, they, had, they broke them up into actually 40 different sh- shifts. But during the special holidays and the special times, they all were on duty. And so they would be given a shift work of 12 hours. And then after their hours were done, another shift would come on. And it says that Zechariah, it was his shift. It was his time to go. And it was according to the custom of the priesthood. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So what they basically did was roll dice by lot. See, before the Holy Spirit came, now we're led by the Spirit of God. But the out, this Holy Spirit was an outside force before the birth of Jesus, before his death and, and before the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says they basically would flip a coin or, or roll a dice and, and they let God, you know, they said, let's find out. And it was like, just happened to fall on Zechariah. And it was his turn to go into the temple, it said. And it says, um, where am I here? According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Wouldn't that be neat, Pastor Mark? If you saw that here, you go outside and all those spruce groves praying, waiting for what happened inside here. What happened today at church? We're all waiting. We're excited to hear what took place. That's kind of what it was. That's what it was. All the people of Israel were waiting for the priest to come back out. What, what happened? Did you see anything? They were excited about it. Oh, nothing this year. Nothing special. But it says, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside, and there were appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the, on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. That would scare me if I was that old. Anyway. And he says he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Wow. Think about that. Imagine all of a sudden an angel appearing to you and giving that message to you. And it says, Zechariah said to the angel, "How, how will I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which were, will be fulfilled in their time. Now, understand, Zechariah was a godly man. We read that. His wife was a righteous woman. And a godly woman. And they, they had two prayers. As a priest of God. And it says that now. And we can read further on. We get, to, we get the advantage of reading further on in Luke. And it says he had two prayers. That he have a son. And that he could see the Messiah come. And they prayed for the Messiah. They prayed for the, for the, the, the Redeemer of Israel to come. 
and for Israel to be, be freed and for, for the fulfillment of God Almighty for their nation. That was his prayer. And now here's an angel, and not just any angel, Gabriel. And he says, God's heard your prayer. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't by just fluke that you're here at this day. But God chose this day because he wants me to tell you he heard your prayer. Wow. That's pretty cool. Amen? It says his prayers touched the very throne of God. And yet because he didn't believe on the day of visitation, Gabriel says you're going to be struck. You're not going to be able to speak. And, and in fact, if you go to verse 62, a little bit further on, it says he was also deaf. They had to actually do sign language to be able to communicate with him. And so here's a man who, because he says he doubted, even though it was his prayers that God answered, and it was because of his righteousness and his holiness in, and his prayers to God. And God says, I've heard your prayers, and I'm coming down, and I'm sending Gabriel, my, my archangel, to tell you the good news. I heard your prayers. And this is what's going to happen. But instead, all of a sudden, he says, oh, I, I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. And, a, and Gabriel, think about what, what just took place here. And Gabriel got actually quite indignant. The last words that, 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 that uh, Zechariah heard was that you will have a son and Israel shall be saved. And that was the last words he had heard until the birth of his son, until fulfillment of what actually was prophesied. And he had two prayers. And Gabriel, when he responded, think about this. It says the very, he responded with the words that I, I believe shook the whole foundation of the temple. And he, he came there and with, an indig, with a, 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 a sense of power and authority, and he turns around and he says, do you know who I am? Do you know where I came from? And yet you're doubting these words. I am Gabriel. Do you know who Gabriel was? He was one of the archangels. It says in Revelation um, 8, it says he's one of the seven who stand before the presence of God day and night. Imagine what Gabriel had seen throughout all of his creation. One of the great creation, uh, one of the great creatures that God has created, one of the most powerful and one of the greatest authority in all the universe. Gabriel, one of the, the archangels. And God didn't just send any angel. He sent Gabriel, and he says, Gabriel, you've been standing here. Imagine what Gabriel has heard over the centuries and over the, the eons. Imagine what he's seen. He was, he was there with Jesus every day from creation. He heard God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to one another, talking about what's going to take place. He was standing there, and then now is the time, and God Almighty says, Gabriel, I've heard their prayers. Now is the time. The day of visitation is now, and I've chosen you because you're, my, uh, you're a, a faithful servant, and I'm sending you to declare to Zechariah, because he's a man of righteousness, and I've heard his prayers. And here's Zechariah, when he gets the good news, and he goes, uh, I don't believe it. 
I can just picture Gabriel's like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know who I am? I'm Gabriel. And he even says, I stand in the presence of Almighty God. And I'm bringing you this message, and you're not going to receive it? He says, for that reason, because you doubt it, you're not going to be able to speak, and you're not going to be able to hear until the fulfillment. You know why? So that he can't blow it. So he can't, he can't speak negative about it and, and destroy the conception, the birth. Think about that. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it blows your mind. And think about now the mighty Gabriel, one of the mighty angels, like in one of the great creations of God. And yet, at the end of the day, he's still a messenger. Your sons and daughters. Wow. The whole purpose of the message was for us. The whole purpose of the message and the, and the good news is for us, the sons of God, saying, this is what I have for you. This is what's coming. Do you know what being in the presence of God, good things happen, amen? It gives us a boldness. I believe that's what, with Gabriel, he, he, he had a boldness and an authority given to him because he was always, he's always forever in the presence of Almighty God. When we get into the presence of God, it creates, it gives us a boldness. That's why God calls us up. That's why God calls us, come into the throne room of God. Come into my place, because I give you boldness to come in. But not just to come in, but boldness to go back. And a boldness to proclaim that good news. And an authority comes alongside with it. Amen? And when someone says something, we can say the same thing. I stand I stood in the presence of Almighty God. That's a pretty good credentials. That's pretty good to put on the resume. Amen? What's your resume? Uh, just, just hang around with Jesus in the throne room, you know, every day. In fact, him and me are buddies. He's giving me a, a free pass to get in and out every day. What? Oh, yeah. That's pretty good credentials. I wouldn't mind that stamp of approval. Amen? Gabriel used it. How about us? So when we have the enemy come, when we have Satan tries to, to say, who are you? We can turn around and say, this is who I am. And I'm coming from the presence of Almighty God. And when we understand that, nothing should move us. Nothing should stir us. So that we are ready and prepared on that day of visitation. This is what's cool. It's like, this is why I believe God shared this with me because I believe today there's a day of visitation here. There's a day of visitation that has come upon us. But are we going to seize the moment? Amen? A neat thing that Gabriel said, he didn't just say to, to um, Zechariah that these things, um, this is what God wants to do. He said, this is what God is going to do. And he said, these things will happen. Because God had already made the declaration. When he already heard our prayer, when he already heard the cry, he says, this is what is going to happen. It is already declared, and God's already heard and he's answered. 
It says, God's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Amen? Think about this. The promises that God has given us, the words, the prophetic words that, that, have, that have been spoken now over the last course of the last two months, just in the last two months alone. Is God a man that he'll lie? Is he, is he a son of man that, that he's going to change his mind? But you know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for like a Zechariah, but Zechariah blew it. Instead of saying, yeah, all right, I take hold of it. He goes, how can that happen? I know I've prayed for it. I've been praying for it for five years, six years, for ten years. And now here it is. Oh, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. That's how I've done that. Anyone else done that? All of a sudden, you start to see the signs, but you don't want to get your hope up. So you're just kind of, I'll, I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see. And then I'll jump on just at the right time, you know. Amen? That's what we have a tendency to do. You know, there's a, Gabriel's job wasn't finished at that, at that message. wasn't finished there. That was only one of three people he was called to go to. He also went, he was called to go to Mary and to Joseph. And so this was, this was only part one of a three-part series. And we, he, we were left in the lurch because it ends at all of a sudden uh, Zechariah can't talk, he can't hear, and the promise is said, this is going to happen, and then part one ends. What's going to happen next? Well, we have to go six months later, and all of a sudden, here's Gabriel again, and he, and he steps out into uh, part two. And then it's Mary in the fulfillment of a promise. With Zechariah, it was the fulfillment of a, of a prayer. But now it's a fulfillment of a promise. Because Mary wasn't praying to be impregnated by God. <laughs> At least I don't think so. <laughs> Right? But now this is the fulfillment of a promise. And God sends Gabriel once again. And it's so uncanny how similar he appears to Mary as he did to Zechariah. And as we read, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings! Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. He did that very similar to, to uh, Zechariah. A few different changes. He said, oh, righteous man. He said, he says, oh, favored, wo favored woman. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Wasn't that the same thing? Zechariah says he was afraid. Gabriel understood that. He said, it's okay. Hey, don't be afraid. Sometimes we get scared of what God is about to do. He, he, he prophesies something. He says something. And all of a sudden we get afraid because we, we really aren't sure how, what to do with it. Or we're not sure how to proceed. Or we're not sure how to, how to um, interact. Well, what do I do now? So we get afraid. God, I don't know what to do. But that's where God's messenger, he comes in. He says, it's okay. Don't be afraid. God's got this. He understands that. He knows where we're at. Amen? 
I believe we're in that position right now. We're in that place right now. And the angel, whether it's Gabriel or another angel, but I believe there is a message that has been sent to this people, to this place, to this country. Amen? And he's saying, don't be afraid. Oh, favored one. I got, a, I got something good for you, he's saying. For you found favor with God. How do you find favor with God? By being faithful with what he's already given you. Amen? And it says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Ooh, man. And Mary said to the angel, what? Now, here's something that's interesting. It's almost identical to what Zechariah said. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Well, he didn't say he's a virgin, but he said, well, how's this going to happen? But there was a big difference. Mary was asking a question. How will this be? Zechariah wasn't asking a question. He was doubting. And there's a big difference. You can ask God a question, but don't ever doubt him. Don't ever doubt his word. When he sends a word, and he says, I am about to do this. I am going, this is going to happen. Don't doubt the word. Because he says, by doing that, Zechariah was removed from the picture. Even though it was because of his prayer and his righteousness that the, the prayer was heard and it was being fulfilled, the very fact, it was his, his, it was his time and God's giving him the option and yet he was removed from the day of visitation. And he had no part to play. How sad is that? Are there churches, perhaps, where God says, I've come and I've heard your prayers because you've been faithful in what I've given you. You've been faithful, pastor, in what you've been doing. And today I've heard your prayers and I'm coming and it's going to happen. And I'm giving you first shot. I'm giving the first step to you. And you turn and say, oh, oh, I don't know if I want it. I don't know if that's the truth. And he says, oh, man. He says, it's already going to happen. But because of your doubt, you won't have a part to play in it. How many times do we see that throughout history? How many times do we see that in revival where God sent to one, but they rejected it? So this is a crucial moment for us to receive and, 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 and take hold of and take ownership of what we've been praying for. Amen? And don't be afraid. Don't doubt. Amen? And the angel, he responded. Gabriel responded completely different to Mary than he did to Zechariah. He responded to Zechariah because of unbelief. And he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand, and this is going to happen, but you're not going to have a part to play in it because of that. But with Mary, he turns around and he, he answers her question. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Holy Spirit, come upon us. And therefore, the child will be called Holy and the Son of God, and behold, your relative is Elizabeth, 
And he shared that with her. And Mary's now response to this was one that, that brought her honor and a high place in history and in all eternity. It says, let it be done according to your word. Let it be, God. Okay, I take hold of it. I take ownership of it. I take responsibility for it. I'm in 100%. I'm all in. Amen. Can we say that? Can we say, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. There's a day of visitation upon us. I'm all in. Amen. Now, Gabriel didn't turn around and say, now, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to be attacked and, uh, you know, King Herod's going to try and kill your baby and you probably at the same time. You're going to have to flee to Egypt. There's, some, there's a price to pay. He didn't say that to her, but it didn't matter. She said yes. And God says, but don't be afraid because I am with you. And I will see you through it. Amen. Wow. And then there's Joseph. Now, I'm not going to get into Joseph. But he responded to all, Gabriel responded to all three, the same message, but in very different forms. They all had a part to play, a very different role to play in the same story. But all three were needed in order for it to take place. He met Joseph in a dream. He didn't even give Joseph, Joseph an, an option. <laughs> he just told him what to do. But Joseph was obedient. So we have to decide who we are today. See, because every one of us have a role to play. Every church has a role to play. Some of us are called to, be up to prepare the way. Amen? Some are called to give birth to the day of visitation. And some are called to protect and nurture it. And you need all three. So we've seen the preparation. We've seen the day. We've heard the cries and the prayers. I remember years ago in this church, and not just this church, but other churches, other places, crying out, praying, asking for that day of visitation. They were preparing the way. And now the day comes. Now it's a day to give birth. But are we also called? Are we the ones to give birth to it? That depends on your response. Amen? That depends on our response. And then some are called to protect it and nurture it. Or some are called to be intercessors to it. Some are called to, to, to give in to it. He even had three wise men, three wise guys. And they come, and they, they were there to protect and to nurture and to finance the operation. And they came with three amazing gifts that were, that were vital, and that was part of it. So God calls each and every one of us with very special abilities and talents to be all part of the same thing. So we have to make a choice. What part do we play in it? What part do we want to play in it? Do we want a part at all? Or would you rather be a spectator? Amen. And, and you know what? God will still love you. He still heard, heard Zechariah's prayer. He, in fact, it was because of him that the prayer was answered, it says. God heard his prayer, and he says, it's going to be done. But when the day came, he was removed. And it, he was only a part of it until after the birth. 
Amen? So we have to decide. Where are we? Where is this day of visitation? What role do I have to play in this? Amen? And it comes with, it does come with some, some warning. A day of visitation comes with some warning. In verse Peter 2, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers. Now, I see such amazing parallel to these couple scriptures that I'm going to read as to what's happening right now in Canada. Attacking the church. Attaching, attacking the righteousness of God. Attacking uh, the, the, the children of God. And it says, keep yourself honorable and pure. So that when they speak against you, not if, but when, as evildoers, is this not happening in Canada right now? Where 10 years ago, I would have looked and I said, that can never happen. And yet, here it is happening. So that you may, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There is a day of visitation. And they will glorify God. They will glorify God. Why? Because they see your honorable deeds. And you've stood and you st you're standing and you haven't backed down. You haven't given in. You haven't doubted. And it says they will see your good deeds. They will see your faith. And it says because of that, they will glorify God. Is that not what this is about? The day of visitation is to bring the world to the Lord Jesus Christ at that birth. That was the whole purpose of his coming to begin with. And so for us who already have that, it's not about us anymore. It's about those who need to know the glory of God. And so we need to stand firm in our faith and stand firm in our righteousness and our holiness. And our right, and, and our right standing with God. Because they will see it. Don't be fooled. They'll see it. I believe the day of visitation is upon us. I do. I believe so. It says in Luke 19, just a few chapters later, it says the day is going to come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in in every side and tear you down to the ground. You and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So there's the one. On one hand, it says, if you know the day of visitation and you stand your ground and you are honorable and you are pure and you are faithful and obedient, he says, the day of visitation is going to be a blessing and it's going to bring the, 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 the country and the nation to Christ. But if we, if we know the day of visitation and we back off, and we reject it, it says we will be destroyed. So that's a choice we have. Which one do we want? I don't know about you, but I want the day of visitation. Amen. But it comes with that price. It comes with that declaration saying, yes, Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. And at that moment, is when the birth takes place. That's when it takes place. Gable came from the presence of God. He declared what he heard and what he saw. 
And could it be, could it be that Gabriel actually has been sent? Maybe another angel, but could it be Gabriel? What he's saying, he's saying here, the urgency of it, the importance of it, because this is a day, I believe, this is a day I've been crying over Canada, like seeing the things that are taking place. And you say, God, how can this be? And yet I sense there's a day of hope coming because God has sent his messenger from the presence of Almighty God who stands there. And could it be Gabriel? I don't know. That'd be pretty cool if it was. Maybe one of the other seven. And I believe he's saying, hey, Mark, today's the day, man. It's the day of salvation. He's heard your prayers. Wow. Cool. Chris, he heard your prayers. Wow. Vernon, he heard your prayers. What are we going to do about it? I, I don't know. I'll wait and see. <laughs> Good luck with that. Or are we going to turn and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take my cue from Mary. I don't know about you. I'm going to say, Lord, let it be according to your will. I, I grab hold of it. Let it be according to your will. Amen? That about wraps it up. It's a tale of two birds. So here's, this is the end of the story. How are we going to respond to this? How are we going to respond to this? I came here with anticipation this morning. Say, I was waiting to see what I might see and feel. and Because and, 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 uh, I'm a feely, touchy kind of guy. You know, I am. Ooh, Mark. That's why, we, that's why we get along well. <laughs> Sometimes too well. I don't know. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> that's why when I say I've seen him in the morning, don't get that wrong, guys. Okay? No. <laughs> anyway, how are we going to respond this morning to this? I don't know. What do you, how, how should we respond? Um, this last week I was, uh, I can't remember if it was Friday morning or Wednesday night, but I was talking about Andrew Murray. Uh, have you ever heard of Andrew Murray? Uh, I mean, historically, a significant man. Prayed for revival. And yet when revival hit, he resisted it. Because it wasn't what he anticipated was going to happen. And, and he literally ran around the meeting when the thunder of God came into the room, picking people up off the ground, saying, no, this is not order. And, and so we have a conception when we're saying, Holy Spirit, come, of what that's supposed to look like, what it's, what it's, how it's going to affect me, and how it's going to play out. And a part of the journey of preparation is laying that down. Lay, laying down our pre preconceptions about this. And you think, yeah, but my preconceptions are biblical. Right? My ideas are scriptural. Uh, yeah, that's the, what the Pharisees said as well. E every time Jesus did something that, you know, was outside of the bounds of their interpretation of Scripture, they, 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 were, they were saying, yeah, but it says this. And, of course, Jesus came around and said, yeah, but you didn't really understand that when it was articulated. And you, you're quoting the verse, but you didn't really know what it means, really what it means. And so I feel like the Lord is bringing us into this time of, of, of yielding to Him, 
yielding to him. And it, at, at the core of it is, is whose understanding are you going to cling to? Your own understanding? Or are you willing to let go of your understanding? And again, yeah, but the reason I cling to my understanding is I'm right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's simple this way. What if... What if there's just something outside of our knowledge? You know, the Pharisees, Jesus said, because you say you see, your sin remains. In other words, you believe so much that your perspective is rooted in God and rooted in the Scripture that you are going to resist the plan of God till the last moment. And what Kim is talking about, this happens to good people, and that's the significance of Zechariah. This was a righteous man, and yet... When the moment came, he almost missed the whole thing. And so there's a humility that has to come that even if I'm devoted, even if I'm righteously pursuing the plan of God, even if I'm committed to the Word of God, even if I am hungry, I'm not going to presume that I will stand because of these things. And how do we, how do we walk in that attitude so as to not be disqualified when it comes? Uh, these are heart issues that God is working out. Do you? I believe this is a it's, a, it's a twofold thing, an individual thing. How do we respond? But as a corporate thing, how do we respond? And it's, it's like we, this, this, this has happened more than once before, and it will happen again. Because with God, he comes and visits often, and his desire is to be the habitation, Right? But we get, as, as Mark said earlier, he says, glory to glory. He's getting us to the point where we can have the habitation. So we're at another stage. But I believe this is one of great significance. Of great significance. Greater than the previous ones. And so now it's like, it's like this is the birthing of something. Let us respond. And it's our response that initiates the birth. Amen? And then from there, the, you know, the messenger's going to come again, and he says, okay, now, what role are you going to play from that, from here? Again. Amen? So it's in our heart. We, we, with our heart, it says, we need to, to, to make peace with God. Yeah, okay, God, I say yes. How many say, I say yes. In your own spirit, it says, how many know? It says, in your spirit, there's a fire and a, uh, saying, yeah, this is right. This is real. How many sense that? Then we say, yes, God. Okay. And if you're not ready for it, then you say, okay, God, ask a question to him. Mary didn't know. She asked the question, and that's okay. Just don't doubt. Just because you don't understand, as Mark said, don't doubt it. But instead, say, God, show me how. And he will reveal it to you. Amen. He'll reveal it to you. So, worship team, we're going to, let's stand together here. Uh, I shared this here recently. I, I feel like God is calling us to do dry land training. And what that means is there's a tsunami of a wave of the Spirit coming to the church. But, uh, but there's a certain skill set. How do you navigate to be led by the Spirit, to yield to the Holy Spirit? When that wave comes, everybody's going to be affected by it. Some, though, will have learned how to, how to navigate the, the, the wave. Others 
will be taken by the wave head over heels, you know, and they may end up on a, on a you know, gouged on the, on, the, on the rocks and, you know, on the, what do you call that, the reef, you know, scratched up by it. But this is a time when we're saying to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to sing a song, but we're really saying to the Holy Spirit, Lord, your ways, not my ways. Your ways, not my ways. Deal with what you can deal with right now so that I can yield. And I've said this before, and I've told us, this church, again and again and again, just because you've been a Pentecostal charismatic for the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life doesn't mean you're in the best position to navigate this river. Because I'm telling you, people are coming who are going to be touched by the river of God, who are going to be catapulted into the kingdom of God, and who are going to who are going to begin to run or move at a scale on a, with a kind of a momentum that will make your head shake. People who today haven't known any of the Holy Spirit. Because when this wave comes, it's, it's coming on all flesh. And you'll be surprised to see who responds. So don't think that your years in a Pentecostal church like this are adequate. Don't think the fact that you pray in tongues today is, is the thing that's going to make the grade for you. Humility. Humility. A heart desire. God, I will pay any price to flow with you. I will pay any price to not be the one who resists your plan. That desire in us, the Holy Spirit is want to cultivate that today, right now. Holy Spirit, teach us. As we sing this song, Lord, our heart is saying, Holy Spirit, teach us. We want to declare that there are things that are higher than what we know right now. There are things that are greater than what we've ever seen, what we've ever navigated. And God, there are places in us, Lord, where we resist your ways. And we want to say, God, we, are, we don't know what those are, but we are prepared to say bye-bye to those ways. So as we're uh, coming to a close today, I know that there are physical needs in the room. And if you have pain in your body, if there is sickness in your body, I want you to come and stand up front. And Kim and Lynn and others of us, we're going to pray for you. But God is releasing healing in these days. There's There's a new and fresh healing anointing that's coming to the body of Christ and I'm saying that even if you have things that are systemic, that are long-term, I want you to know that Jesus has come to heal your bodies. So Kim and Lynn and our, our leadership team just begin to mingle. Uh, others, others that are approved by us, that are already, we know you, just come and begin to minister healing. So Father, we say in the name of Jesus... Lord, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in our bodies. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I say, release, release, release. Oh God, we say to you, we say you are a faithful God. You said none of these diseases... Lord, would come upon us none of the diseases of Egypt. 
So, Lord, we say in the name of Jesus, healing, healing. And if you're watching the video and you need a, a miracle in the name of Jesus, put your hand on the part of your body that's sick where the pain is. And I say in the name of Jesus, anybody watching the live stream, any watching, watching the video on Facebook, in the name of Jesus, let the kingdom of God come into the room where you are, wherever you are in the world, in the name of Jesus, spirit of revelation, in the knowledge of him, Amen.